I'm Jesse Parker. And I'm Tommy Niblack. Jesse and I are super excited to share with you episode 17 of The Faith Share, where we ask questions that arise at the intersection of faith and culture. And on today's episode, Jesse and I continue our conversation from last week, Can You Love Jesus But Not the Church? I hope you're ready. Let's get into it. People, we are back, and we're going to... We're going to knock out part two of this discussion we had, we were having last week. Can you love Jesus and not love the church? And we're, we're on a little later than normal. <laughs> I had, a, um, so two things are different. On later and you're not getting a haircut. Yeah, yeah. So for those of you guys who don't know, like, podcasts, like, when we started, right. we recorded a number of episodes before we launched. Yep. So we had a backlog, but we've run through those until now recording every week. Yeah. And I was like, yo, Tommy, I don't really need my haircut every week. So <laughs> so I think every other week we won't be having the haircut. So for cool. those of you who are like my wife who get distracted by the background noise, <laughs> you guys will like these these episodes better. Like, the buzzing is, a good, is the, getting... Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and two, I I was playing. I had to play drums at a conference this morning, um, so that's why we're on a little bit later. But uh, welcome, we are back with part two. Jesse wanted to uh, continue the discussion. Um, there was a lot of a lot of people um, talking about it, and there was an article in Newsweek mm-hmm. um, that um, dealt with a lot of this. I can't remember the title of it now. I see it. Was it like forget the church, just go with Jesus, something, or something, something like, like that? Yeah, something like that. Um, but yeah, so um, we kind of landed on it's impossible to love Jesus. Well, Jesus said you can't say that you love God and hate your brother. So um, the our brothers and sisters, the church is made up of our brothers and sisters. So um, so we kind of landed there. But what did, what else did you yeah. want to? Uh, add to that. Well, I think, yeah, well, we're going to pick up the conversation. We're going to flip mm-hmm. the script a little bit. But, cool. you know, one thing that I was, I was thinking about, too, just from last week was um, I, I don't think we maybe did a great job of uh, delineating between uh, what a lot of people call the church, which is mm. actually really the the organizational infrastructure of church gotcha. versus the church as an ecclesia, right? Because the Bible doesn't say, you know, do not forsake the the uh, the polity of the church. Right? Mm. It says don't forget, forsake the gathering together of the brethren, which is what what we're talking about when we talk about the church. So yeah. it's definitely, I do think it's possible to still uh, love and engage with and be connected with the gathering of the believers, which is the church, mm-hmm. and be less... Uh, less enamored with the the polity and organization that has come to be defined as church, yeah. kind of the the industry or the architecture of the church yeah. in terms of how things are done and decided and the governance of it and and all that stuff that we've kind of created over the last two thousand years <clears throat> that isn't necessarily scriptural, right? Um, and so sometimes those lines can get kind clouded of, a little bit. I have a question, um, and this is its crazy because I just heard this on a podcast earlier this week, matter of fact, on Tuesday, and um, the guy who was being interviewed said, it was on, uh, it was Kerry Newhoff podcast, and he was interviewing someone, um, and, the, and the gentleman said that 
let's define church. Mm-hmm. This is what he said. He said, let's define church. And he said, for me, you cannot have a gathering without there being, a, there has to be a pastor in order for it to be church. Um, and uh, I, I want to bring that up. What do you think about that? Mm. And I've heard that. It's not the first time I've heard that. I've heard that before. Like, you can't have, you can't be called a church unless you have a pastor. Mm-hmm. There's got to be somebody in charge or it's not church. Right. I, I am struggling off of the yeah. top of my head of thinking of a place in Scripture where that is intimated. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I would have to probably reject that premise. And I mm-hmm. think that's part of the problem. Yeah. Is that, that we've we've created this artificial hierarchy mm-hmm. instead of just recognizing that pastors are just those who are, you know, entrusted with shepherding, the you know, right, shepherding right, right. particular groups of right. people and believers. But, uh, like, essentially that would mean that, like, small groups are not church. And right. they absolutely are. Right. Like, we can grow and, and learn together. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and, you know, even what we see in Scripture, like Paul teaching in homes. Paul would be the first one to tell you he was not a pastor. Right. Like, <laughs> he, he, right. that's why he was never stayed in one place for very long. He wasn't right. a pastor. He was an apostle. Right. Um, he was, uh, we're studying First Corinthians right now in one of our Bible studies. And, you know, very, right there in the first chapter of First Corinthians, mm-hmm. he he even makes a delineation between I, I I wasn't really sent to baptize, right? Like that wasn't really my thing. Right, I don't even right, remember, right. I don't remember baptizing anyone other than these couple of people, right? And and right. he's just like my purest job is just to spread the gospel right. to the Gentiles. Like yeah. that is what I'm called to do. Other people are going to have parts of the other mm-hmm. roles. And so mm-hmm. the idea that we can only have church if there's that that structure of yeah. a pastor. You know, and then other people would probably say, "Well, you have to have worship," and you know, it's yeah. like, you know, I don't, I, yeah, I don't see in scripture how any of that would. Well, Jesus be never either. said. Jesus said, "Upon this rock, I'll build my church." Peter's revelation of who he mm-hmm. was, and beyond that, Jesus never gave a guideline as to what it would look like. Yeah. Um, if anything, Paul was would would be the only person that gave us any inkling of what a gathering um, could look like and not supposed to look like but when yeah. he was telling the church of Corinthians hey uh, when you come together ha- have a, a new yeah. song in your heart let someone get up with uh, uh, a word um, but there must be translation share. there must be translation there's a prophecy only tongue. two or three like, two or three right make sure notice that he never God. mentions the pastor right. he never mentions that right. The, yeah right. I don't I don't think the early church operated that way right. I think it was a communal uh, learning right. and instructing and sharing and growing yeah um, and so yeah it's just and again we talk a lot about this and it's because the more I study the more I realize it's true that mm-hmm. like though we most of mainstream Christianity in America considers itself to be uh, Protestant mm-hmm. we still carry so much of the Catholic DNA in yeah. our belief systems yeah. one of which is this like this elitism of the priest that you can't you're incapable of learning about God without, without a them. priest pastor right. And that even goes back to Jewish, right? You mm-hmm. had the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, right. and you had the the priests, the Levites, right? And and the common people didn't have the capacity to right. know and understand the things of God. Right. You had to go Nor to could some, they even go right. to God. Yeah, they yeah. had to go on to God on behalf of them. Yeah. Right. So so you know from that standpoint, I think even 
Jesus probably patently rejects the idea that you must have some particular person of a particular calling to be able to gather together and have church because Mm -hmm. his whole point was each of us are now connected to God. And because we each have the Holy Spirit, we are capable of being taught by God, receiving Mm -hmm. the revelation of God. Mm -hmm. Um, That's what we were. (laughs) It's I had this idea that we were going to go through one first Corinthians, like a chapter a week for 12 weeks. And uh, I knew we weren't going to get through it in 12 weeks, but <laughs> it's been six weeks and we just finished chapter two. Jeez. So then, you know, in chapter two, he, t- he talks a little bit about like, yeah, we receive spiritual things from the spirit and there's mm-hmm. no delineation between who. Yeah. All believers. Uh, and he's talking to the church of Corinth. He's talking yeah. about all, to all these believers um, from different backgrounds and creeds, Corinth being a very diverse place at uh, intersection of trading yeah um so there was no it wasn't all jews it wasn't all uh, pharisees or educated people it was this wide gamut he's telling all of them mm-hmm. like you've received the spirit of god and so you're able to understand it to search out the spiritual things and so uh, this idea that there's this hierarchy that we're only capable of mm-hmm. being taught by a pastor yeah is a I, I, system perpetrated by church systems that yeah. want to keep a certain amount of power and control now, i've heard i uh, I'm, I'm going to say this, and I don't ask a question. I've heard I've heard people say, uh, "I don't believe in small groups because you have to have a pastor there mm-hmm. to um, to rightly divide the word and equip the saints." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "That completely defeats the whole the whole definition." Actually, it it, it actually um, uh, throws out the definition of what the what the church is. Yeah. Um, so my question is, and I, you're a pastor. Yeah. You are a pastor. Um, I'm a pastor uh, by title. You are a pastor by not only title, by, but actually what you do mm-hmm. at your church. How then important is the role of a pastor as far as here in America? Mm-hmm. And, and in, in other countries, too, because... Uh, it seems to be that um, if you are a pastor, you are next to next to God or a king. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, there's there's definitely been over emphasis and over I'll call it deification, even idolatry yeah. of the of the position and role of a pastor. Um, <clears throat> I think I well, think yeah. I mean I think we all understand that in reality, but I think like you said, it, biblically. That's just not not a correct, and, and it's like you know. So let's look at the picture that Jesus gives us, right? Of, yeah. of a shepherd, being pastors, being being shepherds of of the flock, right? Um, a shepherd does not have to show sheep how to eat grass, right? Right? Doesn't have to show sheep how to uh, process and digest the grass, poop, sleep. Uh, right, the, the sheep understand how to do these things on right. their own. Right, right. The, right. the shepherd is there for what? The shepherd leads them to green pastures. The shepherd acts as a, a protector, mm-hmm. um, and he cleans the poop. Yeah, <laughs> and, and and provides certain care. Right. Like I was looking this up because I was like, I was like, what did sheep do before there was people there to shear them? Yeah, you know, and it came out like, you know, sheep didn't always grow as much yeah. you know, wool as they do now. We genetically. Uh, you know, oh. uh, bred them to produce more wool because that was where the money comes okay. from. So, 
So like sheep today cannot survive on their own. It mm-hmm. grows to a point and then it gets it gets diseased and mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. But it used to be they would just grow a little bit and they would get pulled off in the right yeah. season by twigs and brushes as they walked through. And so they would naturally get it pulled off so they wouldn't overheat in the summer. And okay. you know, just like dogs shed, mm-hmm. right? And, and we haven't some breeds, but you know, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, this, we haven't we haven't necessarily bred dogs to produce fur for right. us to use right. for consumption like we have sheep, right? And so there's just certain things that God created sheep to be able to do on their own. Mm-hmm. And then there was a, there was things that sheep were incapable of doing without a shepherd, right? right? And so, but I think that for the sake of control and power, mm-hmm. and we've talked about this on other podcasts, even as simple as money, mm-hmm. having money to pay pastors to pay their salary so that they yeah. have a job so that they can focus on ministry, which isn't a wrong motivation. But right. then we sometimes fall into manipulation because of that. Right. Uh, there's there's a lot of systems in place that motivate pastors to keep sheep dependent on them, mm-hmm. and that's not the scriptural. Absolutely. You just you just said it earlier. Absolutely. We're supposed to be training and equipping right. the people for right. the ministry, right? Which means that they should at some point be able to step out and do it on their Absolutely. own without us. Absolutely. And that doesn't mean that they have to have the title of pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's uh, easier and more secure for us mm-hmm. to keep them weak, uneducated, mm-hmm. untrained, so that they always have to come to us for everything. And I think that's I think that's what we see in the mindsets of people in yeah. church who are like, well, you have to have a pastor, yeah, because they don't feel confident in dividing the word of God themselves. Why? Because yeah. they've never been taught to. Because if right. they ever if they ever were taught to and able to have that independence, which right. is the whole half the reason Martin Luther posted his right. treaties on the right. wall in the first place was because right. the Catholic Church was right. holding the the knowledge of the Scripture to themselves and not right. allowing the common people to know and understand it. Which is it's crazy because that is. The very next thing that happened after I'm not I'm not sure if this is chronologically correct, yeah. but this is what we read. Jesus died. He gave up his spirit, and the veil was immediately ripped, mm-hmm. which says to me the the um, the picture that's painted there is there's no barrier yeah. anymore yeah. between between anyone anyone there, and there God. There is no most holy place. It's right. only accessible to a certain elite. Right. He did away with that entire right. system right. Um, because his spirit was going to make all of us Absolutely. righteous in God's sight. So we were all going to be worthy in the sight of God yeah. to come into even his most holy presence. So the idea that pastors, prophets, evangelists, teachers, or uh, apostles somehow have a, a different access than average people. Right. No, it, that's just a gift. That's, that's just right. a particular operation we've that's been right. called to. Yeah. Um, and if we're not using that to teach and to train other people to be able to independently find, mm-hmm. see God, mm-hmm. understand Scripture, uh, hear the Spirit of God, and mm-hmm. the, the and understand and obey the Spirit of God to mm-hmm. lead their lives, then we're failing. Yeah. Right. Because the Bible calls us to be led by the Spirit in all things, that's not right. the pastors. That's right. Um, but all people, mm-hmm. and we're just we're just there to help train people, right? Right, and so I I have actually have to apologize because um, I remember saying, uh, well, calling people early on when I when I was first hired as a pastor at at this church that I'm serving at now, um, referring to them as sheep, mm-hmm. and. Not just referring to them as sheep, but actually thinking of them as no better than sheep. You, yeah. you, you know what I'm saying? Like, you're sheep. That's all you're ever going to be. That's what I'm. I, you're lady. I'm clergy. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I have to apologize to you guys because that lay the whole um, differentiation between clergy and lady came around came about with John Calvin. Yeah. Um, and. That is not the picture 
that Jesus came, that is not what Jesus came to to create. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. we are we he only described us as sheep. Um, David described us described himself as a sheep. Yeah, and that that's right. the key. I think right. I think because of this mindset, pastors right. no longer consider themselves sheep. Yeah, it's like look. Right. Like he may give us charge over some sheep, but we gotta f- can't forget that to him that we are also right. sheep. We're all sheep because <laughs> he, he looked at he said um, one of the writers of the of the gospel said Jesus looked at the crowd like sheep and had compassion on them because he thought they were he felt like and saw them as sheep without a shepherd. Yeah, and um, that is not to say that everyone <laughs> without Jesus is a sheep and then when they come to Jesus they're they're not a sheep anymore we're like like um Jesse said we're I mean, there's, still there's lost sheep and there's, there's lost sheep, sheep right lost sheep and the found only sheep. thing in scripture where you can right. be different than sheep is if you're a goat and you don't want to be a goat you don't want to be a goat you don't want to be the goat you want to be the sheep and right. you want to be the found sheep right there's only lost sheep and found sheep right that's only, that's, and we all fall into that category right regardless of our call position anointing title right. education Oh discernment, wisdom, whatever, and and we're not better, we're not better than uh, you guys just because you're not preaching, because you're not um, uh, an apostle, a prophet, evangelist, or a teacher. Um, it doesn't make us better than than it doesn't make us better than you, and um, and we have to. Our responsibility is still to love the church, regardless of whatever our title. Is because it's made up of people, and we're we're all the same. Yeah. And I love that about Jesus that he came and leveled the playing field yeah. for us. Um, he, he humbled himself. He humbled himself. He humbled himself. You know, and we see out throughout Scripture, right? The 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 disciples arguing about who's the greatest, mm. and it's just like I think we as pastors have to be careful that our hearts are not tainted. Yeah, uh, and, and again, not just pastors, but those who carry title and prestige in the church because of position or being salaried by the church or because you get to preach or, you know, whatever it might be, prophetess, bishop, Mm -hmm. what, you know, whatever the title is that we've created for someone, um, that we do not begin to imagine, you know, and fall into that, the oldest of sins, right? Yeah. Satan's sin that Mm -hmm. we, unlike the mind of Christ, that we begin to see equality with God as something to be gained. That we elevate ourselves above the common person as if we're somehow better because mm-hmm. at the bottom end of the day <clears throat> the only thing that the only thing that might separate us from someone else is uh, the gift of God which we right. cannot the fact claim, that we're aware of yeah that we cannot claim right. uh, 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 credit for it and so yo I heard something that's it's blowing my mind the more I think about it but I heard it today um, when I was at this at this conference um, one of the guys in the band said I don't even know how it came up, but all of a sudden we were talking about being offended or something, something like that. And uh, one of the guys said, "You know what? I feel like the the Lord showed me about offense. It's like if somebody, if I offend someone or I get upset mm-hmm. at someone, and I'm offended about by something that they've done, because of my understanding of what God did for me through Jesus mm-hmm. and what Jesus requires of me to do." <laughs> this is what he said. It blew my mind. He was like, I now feel like dying for that person. Instead of being mad, I feel like sacrificing for that person. Mm. I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, instead of being offended, 
at people, like in church. And we get it. We have cause to be offended. I'm, I'm a worship pastor, and people always come up to me, the music's too loud, or can you do this song? We don't like that song. Can you do this song? Or I'm sure people come up to you, hey, can you preach more about uh, this? Or when you talk, when you spoke about that, we didn't really like it. And I don't, for me, I get upset sometimes. I may not show it to them, but he was like, in those moments when I get upset, all I can think about is how can I sacrifice for this person? I was like, oh my gosh, that's really convicting right now. Instead of being offended, think about how you can sacrifice mm. for them. And um, um, man, that's that's it. I mean, that's yeah. A, a, yeah. that's why Jesus Jesus told us, hey, told the disciples, a new commandment I, I give to you, love your neighbor just like I loved you. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, I think with the church, or go back to the first and second episode that we did because Jesse and I both spoke about why we even started doing this podcast um, I've experienced a ton of church hurt and got mad at people instead of sacrificing for them I decided to lash out um, and and uh, that's not what, what Christ requires and um, I know people are out there doing that getting hurt and leaving because people are hurt and we talked about this last week people hurt people hurt people and it doesn't mean that when they hurt you, you hurt them back. Sacrifice for them. Remember what Jesus did for you and and ask the Holy Spirit to help you to uh, to flood you with that love that wants to sacrifice mm-hmm. for, for, for that person. So um, uh, you have any thoughts on yeah. on that? Um, no, I was just I was just thinking like again, this first Corinthians like mm-hmm. Again, like if you were gonna, who's the, if you were gonna arbitrarily assign greatness to the apostles, like Paul mm-hmm. would be number one, right? And he wrote like three quarters of the New Testament, and like most of what we have in terms of understanding of of church polity, uh, the gifts of the Spirit, all this stuff, this is all coming from Paul, right? And um, <laughs> yeah, and, and yet you see Paul like in the first two chapters of Corinthians, like constantly. Uh, lowering himself and mm-hmm. exalting God, um, and he says, "I I came to you humble and trembling, yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, wow. and and humble, and you know, so that, like okay, if Paul, if Paul is acting that way, then I think that's a heart check for all of us who yeah. consider ourselves leaders in the church. Like, yeah. have I lost the humility? Have have I imagined that I only have to be humble before the Lord, and that's I don't big. have to be humble before people? That's huge, right? Because I'm in mean, church where it's like, you know, if you don't, if you don't give the right title, mm-hmm. if you don't show someone respect by giving them the right title, or you know, all this kind of stuff, that there's like you uh, you violated laws of the church. Right. Again, right? That's the that's the human made organizational side of church. That's mm-hmm. not the ecclesia gathering together. Of the sons and daughters of God, of yeah. which we are all a part, they are all sheep, and Jesus is the great shepherd. And and there's no hierarchy before the Lord. Right? That's hard. The, I think that's the first will be last, and the last will be first. Yeah, the greatest. Uh, yeah, will be humbled. You know, and uh, and we need to remember that that that's not just before God, but that's yeah. also how we're supposed to interact with each other. For, with each other, yeah. Yeah, I think that's a hard thing for for people to grasp especially as they're thinking about their senior pastors or bishops and um, 
I don't know, in the black church. You grew up in the black church, didn't you? No. Why did I think you that? That was Genesis. Genesis grew up in Samoan church. Samoan I church. In, I grew up in a primarily uh, Filipino church. Fil- Filipino church. Wow. Um, but they have elders, deacons, uh, ministers, people called ministers, so-and-so, mm-hmm. um, prophetess, so-and-so, prophet, so-and-so. Um, and uh, like you said, people, they get upset if you get their title wrong, if you mm-hmm. introduce them wrong. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, I think that's a that would be a really hard thing for people to, like, accept. So were you saying I don't, I'm not supposed to honor the bishop? And no, we're not saying that. We're not saying they'll honor... Someone we're not talking about we're the heart. That. We're not talking about the heart of the people to honor the leader. Right. We're talking about the heart of the leader to demand the right. Honor. That's what we're That's talking the problem. about. <laughs> That's what we're talking about. We are not talking about the other thing. We're talking about the latter, and because um, we're still accountable, they're still accountable to do all the things that Jesus requires us to do with each other. Mm-hmm. Like just because Jesse's a pastor doesn't mean he's exempt from bearing my burden. Mm-hmm. And praying for me when I confess my faults, yeah. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying. He still has I'm to also do that. In, immune to having faults, <laughs> right? He's also, I'm immune also to not immune to having faults right. or sins or failures. What like no person is any more perfect than another. We all fall short. We all continue to to sin and to fail. And and yeah, I think it's just that that's the key. Is like mm-hmm. in our hearts, do we begin to expect that? Mm-hmm. And then do we begin to be offended when we're not given that honor and respect? Well, then we, we've allowed our heart to begin to elevate ourselves above yeah. others, right? And the Bible warns us again, don't think more highly of yourself don't than you are. Prefer others to yourself. That's right. uh, be humble. If you're called to leadership, that's because you're called to be a servant mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. Christ, who brought himself inconceivably below his actual right. station. Right. Uh, to serve us and that's who we as leaders are called to be not to be exalted not to have status or fame um, or recognition and right. honor and respect from people they may give it to us right you, but, you may get it but, but that's it, not what we're called to we, it's very we yeah. have to be very careful not to let that begin to poison mm-hmm. and affect our hearts to Man. demand it and expect it and require it I have a, a question what do you say to people who are hurt because of a leader who is um, uh, periodically transparent and vulnerable. Because in their mind, they, they don't think a leader should be. They don't think a spiritual leader should be. But they're just trying, they're just trying to be... Yeah. Um, they're, they're actually understanding what their role is mm-hmm. as, a, as a senior leader at the church and they're, and they're not making more of it than it is, yeah. but they totally understand that, hey, I'm just as bad as you. Yeah. The only difference is this is what God has called me to do. What, what do you say to well, someone like I, that? What would the hurt be? Like, how would that hurt you? <laughs> right. The only, way, the only way that could hurt right. you is if it shakes your confident in, confidence in terms of following that person, yeah. which presents two problems. One, um, your your basis for following someone is upon your misguided perception that they're perfect mm. or somehow more capable of hearing from God than you, which is, that's a problem. Right. Um, and, and two, again, it's this, <clears throat> this what, what I call, what I consider it like in, in modern contemporary mainstream church is that we have, we have chosen the easy route 
of um, of giving up our responsibilities as followers of Christ mm-hmm. and putting it on pastors and church leaders to do it and then tell us how to live. Yeah. Like, I'm yeah. not going to fast and pray yeah. to hear from the Lord or find deliverance from the things in my life. Right. I'm, I just expect my pastor to fast and pray and then right. give me the word of the Lord. Right. Or pray for me and then God will supernaturally mm-hmm. give me mm-hmm. deliverance. Mm-hmm. We, we've, we, we've become, it's not just on the pastors, it's on us as followers right. as well. We've, right. be, we've become content to stay babies yeah. because we don't want the responsibility of having to to process the word, learn yeah. the ways of God, f- pursue Him and follow Him ourselves, because we're afraid of failure and, mm-hmm. and we're afraid of having that responsibility f- for when we fail, having to take the responsibility for that. Yeah. So it's easier to just push that on, right? It's not my job to go and share the gospel. Mm-hmm. I pay my tithe so that my church can do outreach programs and right. so my pastor can be out on the streets. So he can do it, even though we don't let our pastors go on the streets right. because we give them ten thousand other things to right, do right. in the building. That's a whole nother. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. Like right. the, the church has said, I would prefer to stay an infant, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to stay a helpless little child yeah. who needs daddy, right? spiritual daddy, to feed me, change me, you know, guide me, mm-hmm. lead me, hold it while I'm riding my, with my training wheels on. Yeah. And don't ever take your hand off because right. I can't handle it. Right. And, and this Man. is, it's a vicious cycle where I think. There, there have been on our lot of leaders who have perpetrated that. Yeah. But that's a lot of that is because that's just how they saw it and learned it when yeah. they were growing up. Yeah. But it's also on the people who said, I'm content to stay like this because it requires no responsibility. Right. We say it all the time as adults, right? We're like, man, I'll give anything to go back to like the fourth grade when my biggest worry was what I was going to eat for lunch and what game right. I was going to play in recess. That's right. When I had no responsibilities and no bills mm-hmm. and no stresses and mm-hmm. life was easy and everything, everybody did everything, took everything else for me. Yeah. We talk about it all the time, but I think in our faith journey, we've actually done that. Yeah. Oh, uh, 100%. Yeah. Like, 100%. I'm not going to study the word. I'm gonna, yeah. You study the word, and then you tell me. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not satisfied with the depth of mm-hmm. your teaching, then I'm going to go somewhere else. Wow. But and I'm never actually going to learn how to do it myself. And the hurt could stem from that, too, because because they're not going back and studying. They're not putting into practice some a lot of these spiritual disciplines. Then, yeah. um, Oh, my God, they you're can just like me, and I've right. been following you for five years. Right. I'm an idiot. Right. And let me go find the church where the mm-hmm. pastor is perfect, or mm-hmm. at least will pretend to be, and not tell me about the way he's failing, Ooh. so I can stay in my pretty little imaginary world, yeah. where you are qualified mm-hmm. to lead me in everything, so I don't have to do anything myself. No, another question is this: just came to me just now. What what would you say to people who have um, uh, experienced, and they've been at churches where their senior leader has fallen into sin and now they've given up on pastors everywhere they've given up on churches everywhere um uh this is akin to to the first question but it's a little more poignant because now this pastor has fallen into sin Mm -hmm. and like and at a church that we know around here um maybe they haven't handled it properly and some of those leaders are now back in and leadership, yeah. and um, what would you say to people that are going through something like that? I mean, the, the first thing is always the question that always has to be asked: like, how are you praying for your leaders? Mm-hmm. Um, don't try to take offense if you haven't been praying. Mm-hmm. 
Um, <laughs> not that you should be taking offense if you have been praying. Right, but right. But definitely, there's don't. a funny thing that happens when we actively engage in prayer for people, where wow. it becomes very difficult for us to take offense. Wow. Like that person said, go. all of a sudden, as when I'm praying for someone consistently, yeah, and I'm. Again, prayer being not just me expressing things, but also me hearing from God about yeah. that person and yeah. me interceding for them. All of a sudden, it becomes very hard in your heart to all of a sudden become frustrated or angry right. Right. or upset with them because you're beginning to get God's mm-hmm. view of this person mm-hmm. and God's heart for this person. So you're going to be much more likely to be, how can I pray better? How can I support yeah. you? How can I help you heal from this? Yeah. How can I sacrifice for mm-hmm. you? Um, that's that's where that mindset comes from. Yeah. So first of all, like if you haven't been praying for your leader, be quiet. Um it's really none of your business. You, right, you right. weren't engaged in their spiritual well-being, so you don't get to be engaged <laughs> in, when they're struggling. Right. Um, <clears throat> but it is definitely a difficult thing where uh, leaders circumvent the proper proper responses mm-hmm. um, to their own sin yeah. and just kind of shuffle it under the rug and, yeah. and keep going. Just, oh, well, I, I got to leave here now where people know about it, go mm-hmm. somewhere else where they're going to be. You know, they're going to forgive me, yeah. but no one's going to ask the question of whether or not I've actually dealt yeah. with it. Yeah. Um, I mean, the Bible t- tells us what to do when someone is in un- unrepentant sin. Um, I definitely would not be somebody who would submit to that person's leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, anytime we take any one person's failure and apply it to an entire group, yeah. like, that's just, that's just silly. That's just immaturity. Um, no, <laughs> like, you can't, yeah, it's... We, we bristle at the stereotypes. We bristle at things like racism yeah. and injustice and and uh, prejudice. And it's all based on the same thing. Like, because I saw one person do this, mm-hmm. I'm now going to judge an entire group of people by that. And yet, we why would we? But then we turn around and we do that to people. So, Can't do like, it. I, w- I would just say, Can't like, just, do it. <laughs> if you have suffered under a pastor who has failed in whatever way that they have mm-hmm. failed, um, and if they ha- if they did not address it biblically in the proper way to mm-hmm. receive healing, um, to grow, to mature from it, and to you know step into what was necessary to avoid yeah. that failure again, uh, you know I would not stay under that leadership. Mm-hmm. But don't be like, oh, every pastor must be like, right? Because right. that's just that's just silly. Yeah. And I don't know I don't know if there's any other way. There's no nicer way to say it than that. Mm-hmm. Like that's just childish immaturity. Yeah. And and I would hope that we can recognize that and and realize that that's silly. Is but, there anything but with, we could do for, like, I know a lot of pastors wouldn't let, you know, just some of the congregation just rally around them and 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 um, love them back to, mm. or love them um, uh, back, yeah, love them back to um, right relationship with the people. Uh, even though they have, they've repented and asked for forgiveness from God, they might still feel some kind of way being in front of people. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? What what is what would like our responsibility be besides praying as for them? Oh like as followers or as yeah. leaders. There's somebody just in the church and this happens to a pastor. You know, I, I don't know. I, again, I I think it's been done a lot of different ways that have been mm-hmm. labeled as okay. Mm-hmm. But that's in the framework again of this hierarchy. Mm-hmm. I, I struggle with leaders who are like, I'm only going to deal with this with other leaders. <laughs> because if you're not accountable yeah. to the people you're leading, mm-hmm. um, then there's gonna you'll never be able to heal that broken trust. Mm-hmm. And, and so you're compromising your ability to lead and their ability to That's follow. That's really good. And so I, I, I would say in a general sense, really if there's a leader who has admitted a failure but wants to deal with it behind closed doors, um, and without hmm. transparency with the people that he's or she is supposed to be 
uh, leading or is in the position to lead, mm-hmm. um, I, I would you know I would call a foul on that play. Yeah. Like yeah. you know I, I would say I think that's probably not true. Um, and of course, wow. right, a lot of it comes down to we're supposed to be led by the Spirit, and so mm-hmm. so I I was in a situation like this personally, where the church that I grew up in, the the pastor that I grew up with as a child. Um, admitted that he had been having affairs mm-hmm. on his mission trips to the Philippines mm-hmm. and stepped down and there was a very messy transition that transpired because yeah. he had tried to set things up so that because um, he I think he understood there was coming time where he was going to have to come clean about this yeah. and so he had brought in this ministerial couple to come and lead worship who were very uh, seasoned and um, had been pastors in the past mm-hmm. and then he took this one guy who'd been in the church for forever and made him the assistant pastor um, with the idea that this would provide a framework for transition for yeah. him to step out problem was when he stepped out there was a whole faction of the church who you know had known this, this guy who was assistant pastor now for a long time uh, trusted him wanted him to be the new lead pastor even mm-hmm. though that wasn't his calling or gifting at all um, at all <laughs> and uh, it would have been terrible yeah. and there was people uh, the our eldership and the people who kind of had the actual final say mm-hmm. who wanted the worship couple to be the new pastors because mm-hmm. they'd actually been pastors in the past. So there's this ugly power struggle. A lot of people did a lot of things they shouldn't have done. Really ugly town hall meeting. Like, I'm 15 yeah. years old and I'm having to mute microphones because people are just being nasty to each other. <laughs> Dust settles oh, and, like, shoot. 90% of the church has left, yeah. including including my family. Mm-hmm. And I felt like the Lord told me to stay. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't because I didn't believe that some of the stuff that was being said that even my own family was telling me had been done yeah. hadn't been done, but because I felt like the Lord was telling me to stay. Wow. And so there's always that line to it in these areas where we don't have specific edicts in Scripture. Yeah. Like, we don't have a specific Scripture that says if a leader falls and admits to it and repents but wants to heal mm-hmm. in private mm-hmm. and not... We don't have anything that tells us exactly what to do in that scenario. Right. And so right. listen to the Spirit. Because later on in my journey at that church, there was a different situation where the Holy Spirit finally, after a long time, gave me the green light to address it. Mm-hmm. And said, if they respond this way, you can stay. If they respond this way, you got to go. So two separate situations, both of which I could have decided to leave in. But one, the Lord said, stay. The other one, he said, okay, if A, you stay. If B, you go. And so we have to be led by the Spirit. Um, And so there might be situations where God says, I understand that they're not being transparent. But trust me that they actually are doing it right and, Mm -hmm. and getting restored. You can this. You can stay here. This is going to be a safe place for you to stay. Mm-hmm. No, this is going to be good ground for you to keep your roots in. Or the fear might say, "You need to get up and go." You need to go. And that's why it's important for all, all, all believers in Christ to have a relationship with God, to have a prayer relationship with Him, to to know the Spirit, to be filled with the Spirit, and to be led by the Spirit. Because yeah. we can't always look to our leaders for the guidance. In our, we can't call our pastor every little decision that comes up that's in right. our life. We have to know how to be led by the Spirit ourselves, and that's called spiritual maturity. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I I would definitely say there would be a red flag for me if they wanted to do all of the restoration and healing in private. Um, but, right, but you can't. Uh, I was I was taught this that public infractions deserve or merit public apologies. Yeah. So if you hurt. Uh, if you're a senior leader, you're hurting not just your staff or not just your family. You're hurting the entire yeah. congregation of people that you lead. Yeah. So how going can I be trusting unity right. 
Right. If the repentance, uh, and it doesn't mean it doesn't mean if you commit adultery that your counseling sessions right. with your wife and the and right. your counselor have to be made public record. Right. But you have to be upfront or, or video live yeah. streamed. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but you have to be upfront with the process. Right. Like, hey, this is what happened. Right. I've repented. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I recognize my wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm working to turn from it. Here's the things that I want you guys to know that I'm putting in place right. to protect against this kind of failure in the in the future. You know, we're seeing a counselor, blah, 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 blah. Like being transparent about what you're going through mm-hmm. not only can rebuild the trust with the people who um, the, you're called to shepherd, um, but it also it guards against gossip. It guards against offense. It right. guards against hurt. It right. rebuilds the trust. It also creates another layer of accountability for mm-hmm. you because mm-hmm. you're saying, hey, this is what I'm doing. And so you've now committed to that publicly. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, it's again, what I found in the times when I, I God has led me to be very vulnerable in public, like when I'm preaching and stuff like that, mm-hmm. um, a lot of the feedback has been, you know, this like, thank you. Yeah. Because I thought I was dealing with this stuff yeah. alone. I thought yeah. that I couldn't tell anyone about this. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of times us being public, not only about how we failed, mm-hmm. but also about the response mm-hmm. is, is leading and teaching people. Cause yeah. we, like nothing that a, a leader f- struggles with and fails with is any different than the stuff That's that right. regular people do. That's right. And so we can actually be those in that sense who are the shepherds mm-hmm. who are leading sheep from a dangerous place into a healthy place that they wouldn't have known how to get there Absolutely. on their own. Like I've been struggling in this and I didn't know what to do to get free. And you mm-hmm. just gave me the roadmap. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have that responsibility as well, yeah. not just to lead people in strength, but to lead people in weakness right. and in our struggles as well. I love it. Not to pretend that we never struggle because how can anyone relate to someone who never struggles right. when they're going through struggles? Mm-hmm. How can I lead people to freedom from something when I'm never admitting them ever going through mm-hmm. anything myself? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think vulnerability is important for leaders. Yeah. It's necessary um, and we can't do it behind closed doors. Yeah, that's huge. If, in case you guys are wondering, um, it is not warm here. This is just how Jesse dresses all the time. Uh, he's always <laughs> yeah, shorts, in a, shorts and shirts all the and time. And a t-shirt and shorts. <laughs> it's like 50 degrees it's, and cloudy. Um, but yeah, man, that's uh, that's awesome. I, I have to say that um, I didn't know if I would ever, when it happened to me, I didn't know if I would ever go back to church again. When I was hurt by the church, I didn't think. Matter of fact, for three years, uh, my wife and I didn't go to church because we were like, we're done. There's Mm -hmm. no way we're ever going back. And now I'm so grateful to God um, that that's not how we feel anymore and that he's given us a love for his people. Um, uh, A love for the ecclesia. And that's what we want for you guys. We want you to um, you can't love Jesus and not love his people. Regardless of what... The, the only person that was ever perfect that walked earth was Jesus. We can never be perfect. Yeah. We'll never be perfect. So if you're hoping that your pastor is perfect, you're hoping that your church is perfect, you are in for a um, a rude awakening. Yeah. A, a, a rude awakening, man. <laughs> And what does Paul say? I glory in my weaknesses. I glory in my weaknesses. He was not afraid of We've been talking with our youth right. recently about this. Like, you don't have to be afraid of your weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Understand what they are yeah. and be open with them. Yeah. And because it's our weaknesses that the enemy uses to keep us Absolutely. bound. 
in Absolutely. in this in this constant cycle of being mm-hmm. a fake version of ourselves mm-hmm. to pretend that our weaknesses aren't there to right. receive affirmation and value from other people who we're afraid will diminish their value of us if they we show them our weaknesses. Yeah. And Paul's like, look, the, the weak places of where God can be strong. So don't be afraid to show your weakness because your weakness, if I struggle with this, but people see me living successfully, then they're going to glorify God that I'm able to overcome this weakness. The best, the best picture I've ever seen of that. Um, and the, the Holy Spirit showed this to me a year and a half ago. And I can't remember what I was doing, but, um, uh, the entire picture of Jesus being on the cross, I think I was writing a sermon about, um, offense Mm -hmm. or something like that Um, but Jesus being on the cross was at his he was at his most vulnerable his most hurt and not only was he most vulnerable because he couldn't use his hands or he couldn't run away he was also naked Mm -hmm. he was naked on the cross vulnerable um, hurt by the people he came to save in that vulnerability he was forgiving he forgave someone right next to him. And that it that's literally how we should be, the very people that we that he came to help. The very people yeah. that you as a leader, you might be watching this, that you that you're there to pour into. Uh if you're not a leader at your church, your family that you're pouring into, um, your spouse, your your neighbors, your co-workers, we have to be as much as we can. And the power of the Holy Spirit living and moving in us like Christ as possible and let him use us in those vulnerable and those hurt Mm -hmm. and those broken times to not only forgive people, to show them that, hey, I'm going to not only overlook this, but I'm going to forgive you for that. And I'm going to keep pouring into you. um, And I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. And so it's... um, is something that uh, if you ever lose sight of how can you do this, just remember the cross, what Jesus did on the cross for you and for me and what he's inviting us to. He's inviting us to that type of sacrificial um, love. Yeah. I think my favorite, one of my favorite verses on this topic is, right, the the righteous man may fall seven times, but Mm -hmm. he gets back up. And I love that because it's the righteous man, right? Yeah. The righteous man falls, so that's the first thing that we have to understand that we get wrong so much right. is that we think that we have to be perfect. We right. have to not fall or at least pretend that we haven't fallen. Otherwise, other people are going to assign us some level less than righteousness, right. which they may, but God is not. You but, it's about, anything there. but it's about whether we get back up. And yeah. for us as leaders and as pastors, the people that we lead and, and, and shepherd need to see us fall right. and get back up right. because they're falling and they need someone to show them not only the hope that they can get back up, but perhaps the very roadmap for them Absolutely. to get out of the thing that Absolutely. they fell into. And, and so, you know, the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. The things that we struggle with, that we fall into, that we sin, um, the failures that we find in ourselves mm-hmm. are common to man, to period. Everybody. And so whatever a right particular person is dealing with as a, as a just you know, a person in the ecclesia, or mm-hmm. as a, someone God is gifted and positioned to be a leader, it's all the same. Like mm-hmm. we need to be open with each other. And yeah. the Bible even said we talk about this a lot. I've been talking about this a lot. I'm trying to get this into the consciousness and the lifestyle <laughs> of our church. The Bible says that 
you confess your sins one to another, they, your brother may pray for you that and you might be healed. Healing. And the understanding is that we can repent for sin to God and be forgiven, right. but the healing doesn't come until I'm admitting it to That's a brother right. or sister That's and right. receiving prayer. That's and right. so a lot of us are running around with things we've been forgiven for, right. but we're continuing to struggle with them because we never received healing right. because we're, we're trying to keep that facade of perfection right. and we're not confessing our struggles and our sins one to another. Right. And that scripture applies to... to uh, general, mm -hmm. laity, people, mm -hmm. members, just the average person who attends a church and to yeah. leaders, pastors, prophets, bishops, yeah. evangelists, whoever, whatever your title is, position, prestige, power, authority, whatever. If you're a part of the church, that verse applies to you. That's it. That's it. Hey, I hope you guys enjoyed part two of this conversation. I think this is this is one of those conversations that is like a thread through whatever we talk about. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like, just yeah. like the baseline. Um, that was good. Where can they go if they have any questions? If you guys have any questions, how many comments, how many topics you want us to hit, um, things you've been struggling with with your faith that hit you us want with some people topics. to hit, yeah, us, hit with us with some topics. topics. Uh, faithchairpodcast at gmail.com mm -hmm. or you can comment on the video here or you can you know you can message uh, the page on Facebook or Tommy and myself on our personal page whatever reach yeah. out to us we'd love to hear your feedback your questions your comments but most of all I'd love to hear what's some of the stuff that you're encountering that you're dealing Absolutely. with that you maybe haven't found the full like answer or guidance for Absolutely. and maybe we can dig into that with you um I think That's we didn't really, this didn't really go the direction that I was thinking it was going to go. Mm -hmm. I think it was a really good conversation, but mm -hmm. I think we're going to, we're going to hit part three next week mm -hmm. and we're going to flip the script on, can you love Jesus and not the church? And we're going to ask the question, what happens when we love the church, but not Jesus? Ooh. <laughs> and I think it's going to be, a we're very not ready. it's going to be a very <laughs> fitting conversation in the current political climate. That is yeah. all I'm going to say about that. Oh, man. It's going to get real. Man. Do we want to bring somebody in for that? Maybe. We'll see. We'll see. That might be dope. Because you'll need a haircut by then. I'll need a haircut by then, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as you, as we used to say growing up in Philly, because you, you'll be woofing at that point. Yeah. You'll, yeah. you'll need I was in there today. I was like, I'm still clean. I, I, that's what, I, when you got so, in the car, I was like, I was like, I'm not the guy. Get cut? My hair grows fast, but I don't need to cut every week. That's, that's <laughs> dope. Well, look, y'all have a great weekend. Jesse and I are about to sign off, and we'll see y'all next Friday on the Faith Chair. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Join us next time. Yes, join us next time as Jesse and I continue this conversation, but flip it and talk about can you love the church and not Jesus. So we'll see you next time on The Faith, the Faith Chair. Chair.